scripture memory verse tonight, Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith where which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Ephesians 6.16. Anybody else? I have to read it. Please. King Jameth. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ephesians 6, 16. Good job. Yes, it does say wicked, not wicked one. And the word does mean the devil. So that's why it's translated in the New King James, wicked one. Talking about John. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'll read it. Ephesians 6, 16, yes. Yeah, I'll read it. About all taking the, the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ephesians 6, 16. Good job. Yeah. Now, Wicked could mean uh, not just the devil, and we'll see the definition of it soon, but it could mean all of his, remember, his principalities and powers. They're all wicked. And, of course, it could it also means wickedness. So it could be all the wickedness so that you don't get involved in it. However, let's see. Anybody else? I digress. Anybody else? Well, we've been going through um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, the entire text of spiritual armor. I do encourage you to memorize the entire text, to memorize and understand what the armor is, that all of it uh, is to be put on. It's something that to be reminded that you're putting on Christ. I believe that it's something that helps you to understand how to fight the battle. We are, you know, we're serving a spiritual God. He's a God of, of a spirit. He's not flesh. Um, it's a spiritual life. We have spiritual battles. We have spiritual weapons. And, and, and really, the battle is the Lord's. You don't have to fight the battle. You have to stand. That's our calling is to stand still and see the salvation, the deliverance of the Lord. Because the battle is already won. You and I, as we put on Christ, as we grow in Christ, we are standing. And, and, and it's, it's amazing how so many people say that they, oh, I'm a Christian, I believe in Christ, but they don't put on Christ. They're not being sanctified in Christ, set apart for Christ, and so that they can be used and they're not helping Christ. Listen, as the bride of Christ, which is what the church is, what is a bride? A bride is a helpmate. We see that example with Eve being brought to Adam for a helpmeet, help, helping the husbandman, helping Adam to tend all the things that need to be taken for in God's world, in God's kingdom. And it's the same thing with the bride of Christ, the church. You and I are supposed to be equipped to take care, to be the helpmate of our groom, who is Jesus the Christ, who's coming back soon to take us home. And so we need to be uh, under his authority, uh, doing his will for his glory to make him look better. He's doing everything to make us look better. Think about it. We've been given his breastplate of righteousness. See, it's not really a breastplate, it's just his righteousness. But he's using these terms of Roman armor to help us understand what he has given us, what our inheritance entails, and we have his righteousness. So he's making us look like him, just like when a husband and wife become one in this, in this battle, in this armor, in this what's going on in Ephesians 6. Christ wants us to understand we're supposed to become his helpmeet, his helpmate, 
his spouse, his bride, married to him for eternity. And in order to do that, what do we have? We have the armor. And, and really, when you see this again, it says above all. Above really is a pretty amazing word. It's the word epi. Epi, which is the word for upon, with the Holy Spirit coming up on you. But it really shows the direction. It shows what it's towards. And it's toward that our faith is above all. Think about that for a moment. Wait a minute. You told me to put on the belt of truth. Wait a minute. You told me to put on the breastplate of righteousness and to shod my feet in the gospel of peace, the preparation of the gospel of peace. But above all, we are to take up the shield of faith where which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of wickedness or the wicked one. It's above all. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Everything has to, you can't believe in a belt that there is a truth. See, it's not really a belt. Listen to me. These are, these are analogies. There's not really a belt. It's just that your belt that you would hold everything on if you was a soldier is truth. Everything in the Christian life is, is held together by truth. Truth is a person. It's Jesus. There's not really a breastplate. It's just righteousness, but he's given you something to relate it to. Righteousness. And our righteousness comes from Christ. He gave us his righteousness. He took our sin. So we can right live before God and we can be seen by God the Father as righteous because of what Christ has done. And that's truth. That comes from your truth. And then because of those two truths, that there's truth and we've become righteous, we have to shod our feet. It's talking about our walk. It's not really that you're, that you're preparing yourself with a, the gospel of peace and you go, here, let me put it on my feet. It's so that wherever you go, you're ready to tell people about this peace that you have with God because of truth and righteousness and because you're preparing and learning and growing. And then, as if Paul would stop, he says, but above all, above all, take up the shield of faith. Above all, because you can't believe in truth. You can't believe in righteousness. You can't prepare your feet with peace unless you have faith. Everything has to come from faith. The entire Christian life is faith. It's all about believing God. Listen to it. Faith, it's, it's, remember, it's our, uh, it's our word that we look at all the time. It means reliance upon Christ for salvation and a constancy in such profession. It's your assurance. Usually when you read in the, in, the, in, in the Bible, you see the word believe or belief. It's the same word. It's faith. So what? You're believing God. You're believing God that he's made provision. You're believing God that he's truth. The truth is a person. You're believing God that he died and rose again and gave you his imputed righteousness. You're believing that you can shod your feet with the gospel of peace to tell others because it is a power. But listen to me. It only gives you the ability to do that. You still have to make the choice to do it. Think about how many people have ability, but they never, ever, ever do what God has given them power to do. People have been given by God an inheritance. They've been given a new life, and they still live the old life. They've been given the gospel. They've been given righteousness, and they still walk around in shame and guilt and feel like they're the old person because they're not moving on in their race to, for righteousness, in their race toward heaven, in their race in godliness. What we do is we say a prayer, and we go on living the same way, and we stay at the starting line. But salvation is, 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 uh, is uh, salvation. It's justification by faith. Just as if you never sinned, you get his righteousness. Then it's sanctification. Sanctification is changing your mind, changing your heart, changing the inside to fit the position you already have in heaven. And so you're becoming more like your 
Savior, becoming more like your groomsman, becoming more like Christ on the inside. And then when you hit the wrong nail with the hammer, the inside comes out and it looks like the same as Christ. You know, when people are married and they get older, they begin to look like each other. They begin to have the same desires. They begin to have the same appetites. They begin to have the same looks even on their face. And, and, and you can answer questions. You can know what your spouse is going to do. Why? Because you become of the same mind. Because you're moving in the same direction. That's why marriage is such an amazing thing that we need to understand. You cannot attack it. You cannot destroy it. But when you look at the Bible and Christians are supposed to become like their Savior, like their husbandman, like the one who bought them and paid their dowry and came to get them and is going to take them home. And when he takes them home, it's called glorification. You glory in glory with him where he's seated at. You receive the end of the purchased possession where you're to be with him forever and to be like him. And, and so it's amazing when we begin to look at this from a biblical sense. So when you put on the armor of God, I'm going to read it all real quick and then we'll keep moving on this. You put on the armor of God, you're putting on Christ. Every piece is something. This is not a real shield. We're talking about putting on faith. Putting on faith. How does faith come? Romans 10, 17. Faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith, it's one of our memory verses. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Oh, what you say, Lord? Oh, I heard you. Yes, I heard it, and I believe you, because you can't lie. And you gave me great precious promises. And I see them written and recorded in the scriptures of how you've always been. So I believe you, and I begin to believe and have faith in you, because you're a trustworthy God. And hearing is not just hearing like with the ears. You hear with your heart. And then when you truly hear by faith, you obey what he says because you know he's a faithful God. And that's how you obtain a good testimony and a good witness. In fact, let's just go to Hebrews and go look about faith. I'm going to come back to shield because I want you to see what shield is. Listen, go to Hebrews 11. Many of you know that. It's the, the, the hall of faith chapter. Hebrews 11 is the hall of faith chapter. I would love to spend a long time there, but we're just going to look at this about faith. Because see, the shield, the shield is not really, it's just the one who's protecting you. How are you protected? By faith. As you hear the word and you obey it, that becomes the shield that surrounds you. Right? A shield is a defensive weapon. It protects you from everything that's coming in. Yeah. Now, faith, it's 11.1. Faith, faith is reliance upon Christ for salvation and a constancy in that profession. Now, reliance upon Christ for salvation and a constancy in that profession is the substance. There's the solidness of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So when you are walking by faith, there will soon be evidence that you're doing that. When you're trusting God, when you're obeying God, you'll soon begin to look like God. You'll begin to have the fruit of God and the character of God. There will be evidence. You'll begin to have the mind of Christ and think like Christ and be concerned about souls when we're truly trusting God and believing in Him. Thank faith you. has substance. Faith is not blind, but your eyes are more open when you trust God than they can ever be. Because now, by faith, you can understand what? That what's going on in the spiritual realm, where the battle is really being fought, that Christ has already won. Now look at it, because the next thing it tells you, chapter or verse 2, is what you and I need to understand. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. Listen, don't we all want to have a good testimony? Now I'm looking for a bad testimony. 
No, we all want to have it. So how did the elders, how did the people of old, how did other saints gain a good testimony? By faith. By trusting God. Because the only way to do anything good is to listen to God. It comes from God. He gave it to them. It's the same way Christ gave us righteousness. The elders got their good testimony, their righteousness through faith, through believing God that one day a Messiah would come and rescue them from their sin nature. Verse 3 says, by faith, by this, by this uh, a reliance upon Christ, or Old Testament saints might have been reliance upon God for his provision that would come, reliance upon Christ for salvation, deliverance from the sin nature, and then a consistency or a constancy in that profession. A constancy in it. It's a, that means standing, abiding, and remaining. And that's all we're called to do with constancy is to stand in truth, to abide in truth, to remain in truth. Listen, look at this. Look at it. By faith, we understand. Who's we? The congregation. Those that, those that are listening and believing, the congregation of the called out ones, the ecclesia, we understand, we have knowledge that the worlds were framed by the word of God. God spoke and created the heavens and the earth. We believe that because we've read Genesis. So that the things which are seen, evidence, were not made of things which are visible. We know that in Genesis 1.1, God spoke and bera, ex nihilo, he created out of nothing. Bara probably, B-A-R-A, ex nihilo, out of nothing when he spoke, the things that we now see became into existence. We believe that by faith. Because you have to believe God. Now notice this, verse 4, by faith, how did they live? They all live by faith. Why? Because again, as I told you, every piece of the armor, everything about it is Christ. If you just turn the page and look at 12.2, he tells us to run this race looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. See, everything is, is Jesus. Everything is Jesus. He's the truth. He's our righteousness. He's our peace. He's our faith. He's the author and finisher of our faith. I, I, he wrote the book on faith. He came down and delivered faith. He walked it out before us with the Father, following and listening and obeying. But notice this. Listen to it. Verse 4. By faith, Abel. What did, what did he do? Oh, you, faith does something? Listen to it. It's very important that we understand what we're reading. Faith without works is dead, James tells us. So true saving faith does something. And you're going to see that every one of these people that got the good testimony of Old Testament that were before us, they actually applied their faith. They did something about what they believed. And look what Abel did. He offered, he surrendered himself a living sacrifice. That's what we do. He offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. Remember what Cain did? He became a murderer. Because he didn't mix faith with what he knew. He didn't obey God. He disobeyed God and did what he wanted to do. Through which he obtained, what did Abel obtain? A good witness that he was righteous. Listen, listen. To prove that we're living by faith, we obey God, and then Christ's righteousness is clear in our life. It's by faith, though. It's by what we believe. It's a constancy in walking in it. God was testifying of his gifts. See, listen, when you do something and it's righteous, you do something and it's for God, God will testify of what you're doing. God will bring witness. You do it in secret. He'll bring it out and reward you in the open. He's the one that testifies. He's the one that knocks down and lifts up. And he's the one that gives us gifts. And through it, he being dead still speaks. There's the witness. There's the testimony. Even though Cain killed him, he's still alive because he's with God. And the testimony is still there in the scriptures because he obeyed God. And it doesn't matter what anybody does to you when the evil one kills you here on this planet for obeying God. You are still alive. 
Okay. You'll still be alive. You'll be with God to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Where it says, by it, he being dead yet speaks, is that referring to the sinner? He being dead? It can be. Oh, yeah. But but really, we're dead to self, and this was a physical death that he died a first martyr of the Bible. Uh-huh. But you can make that analogy if you'd like. If we're dead, we can speak. But if we're not dead to self, we're not speaking for God. That's a great analogy, right? Yeah. By faith, what did Enoch do? Remember Enoch? Watch this. This is what he did. This is what we need to understand, that the shield is our protection. The shield is there, but it's really faith. Everything is about faith above all. You, without, We're going to get to it. Let me just get to it. I get excited about this. Enoch was taken away, snatched out, that's the rapture, so that he did not see death. Because there's going to be, there's a generation, we could be that generation that's going to get snatched out in the rapture. And they don't see death the same way everybody else did physically. But in a, in a twinkling of an eye, they will be changed. The dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain meet the Lord in the air. Thus we'll be with him always. We're to encourage one another. So I can't just read past it, even though I want to talk about faith. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony. Listen to me. A testimony is evidence. The same way verse 1 said, it's the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you give testimony in court, you're given evidence, witness of truth. All these words are the same. You're being a witness, given testimony of evidence that proves you have faith because of what you've been doing and how you've been living. Because faith without works is dead faith. God's works, not just man's works. Watch this. He had this testimony. This was what they said about Enoch. This is what God testified of Enoch, that he pleased God. He was pleasing to God. Really? You want to be pleasing to God? Look at here, verse 6. Verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. Listen, you cannot be pleasing to God. Why? Because if you have faith, then you believe the truth. And the truth is, is that you've been given righteousness in Christ. If you believe in Christ, you pay for your sin nature. And, and if you believe that Christ is your righteousness, then the next thing you should do is begin your sanctification by preparing your feet with the gospel of peace. And allowing him to use your life to give a good testimony to others. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God, if you, have you come? Must, listen, must have faith that he is, must believe that he is, same word, must trust Christ for salvation and have a constancy in it, and that he is a rewarder, see that's the end of your faith, that's glorification, of those who diligently seek him. Are you looking for God's will? Are you looking for God's face? Are you looking for God's way? Are, are you trying to understand what God is doing? Do you have a heart to live by faith and move forward no matter what you see the other church people doing? No matter what you see the world doing, you say, Lord, I want to believe you, trust you, and move forward with you to do your will. Because without faith, it's impossible. You have to have faith in order to believe this. You have to trust and put all your eggs in one basket and say, you know what? It doesn't matter. God said, and God created out of nothing, and God spoke, and he spoke to my heart, and he told me his son Jesus was the provision for my sin nature, that his son Jesus died and, yea, rose again. Do I have a verse on that? Ooh, I thought I had a verse on that. Faith without works is dead faith. It's not true faith. And God has called us all to come into his kingdom and be his helpmate. To work in his house. To do his will for his good pleasure. 
so that other people can come to salvation. We're created in Christ for good works. Those good works can only be done. Those good works can only be done by faith. Only by faith. I think it's in 1 John, but I'm, I'm going to keep going here. So, I just want to go a little bit further. Because, and, and I could do the whole chapter with you, but I'm not going to. I just want you to get the crux of what is going on. Faith is how we live. This is what 1 John 5 says. 5.1 Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So if you love uh, the Father, you're going to love the Son because he's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. By this we know, this is our understanding, that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So this is how we know we love others. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous or burdensome. They're not grievous or burdensome. They're not heavy. They're not, they're not hard to keep. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, your faith. How do you overcome the world? By faith. That's the only way, is by faith. You believe in the truth, and the truth gives you righteousness. The truth is, is that Christ died and rose again. But it was his death that saves us. That sacrifice is what saves us. And his resurrection is the evidence of that faith. His resurrection is the evidence that he was the Messiah. I was looking for that verse. I've got a verse on that, and I can't remember where it was at. That just says, Paul says it in one of his letters, that we're saved by his death. See, his resurrection, his resurrection, his getting up, is the evidence of his faith in God the Father, that he was going to raise him after he laid his life down as a sacrifice. You and I have that kind of faith. So let's go back and look then. By faith, verse 7, 11, 7, Noah. Remember Noah? Noah was divinely warned. How was he divinely warned? God said to him, Noah, the end of man is about 120 years, and I will make an end to all flesh. Go and make an ark, therefore. Right? He warned. He was being divinely warned of what? Things not seen. Move with godly fear. Notice his action. Anytime you have faith, you move. You move. You do God's will. He prepared an ark for the saving, the deliverance of his household. Something that fathers should do. By which he condemned the world. When you are living by faith, you know why the world hates you? You know why the world hates the church? It condemns them. It proves that God is real. It proves that judgment is real. It's evidence that there's a true and living God because you cannot please God except by faith. And when you're doing the works of righteousness, you can't do it in the flesh. So it's evidence to them that God has changed your life. He prepared an ark and, and, and condemned the world and became, because he did that, he became an heir of the righteousness which is what? According to faith. That righteousness is according to faith. You can't have the righteousness without trusting God, believing God. Now look, by faith, Abraham. Remember Abram? His name was Abram then, but in the New Testament, it's Abraham, father of many nations. Look what it says he did in verse 8. He obeyed. When, well, when did he obey? When, when he was called. To go out 
to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. You and I have been called out of the world to go to become heavenly minded, to become Christ-like, the place where we've inherited. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I don't know much about heaven except God's there. It's his house. There's a few things in scriptures and I don't need to know anymore. I can trust God by faith. Look what it says. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in tents, temporary dwelling places. These are what our bodies are, temporary dwelling places. With Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing. Now I want to go from here, transition from here, and I want to go back and look and talk about shield, but I want to do it in Genesis 15. Go back to Genesis 15. I want you to see these testimonies. I want you to see what they're talking about. Remember, Abraham was called out of Ur of Chaldean, and in Genesis 12, he was given these promises by God. But in Genesis 14, what happened? He took his cousin or no, his nephew Lot with him. Lot got captured because Lot was hanging out in the world in Sodom and Gomorrah. And in 1417, after, after Abraham, by the power of God, went and rescued Lot because he trusted God. It says the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shava. You guys with me? Genesis 14, 17. Bible sword drills. Genesis 14, 17. After his return from the defeat of Chedar Lamaro and the kings who were with him, there's five kings against four. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, that means king of peace, prince of peace, brought out bread and wine, that's the elements of communion and fellowship. He was the priest of God Most High, El Elon, and he blessed him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Abraham is the one that represents God, and whoever blesses, blesses the greater blesses the lesser. So Melchizedek is a priest who is greater than Abraham. I believe it's a uh, what we call a Christophany. It's Christ. See, and, and then you can go read in Psalms, and you can read in the New Testament in Hebrews that Christ has become a priest forever, not according to earthly priesthood in the Levites or the Aaronites. He became a priest forever according to the Melchizedek. I believe because this man blessed Abraham, which Abraham was the father of righteousness. It had to be God in the flesh. It had to be Christ in the flesh. Because the greater always blesses the lesser. He blessed him and said to him, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. That's who God is. He's the, he's the possessor of heaven and earth. He owns it all. He created it all. And blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then he goes on and it says he gave him a tithe of all. Listen. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. But I want to get you to 15 because that's really where I only want to be. 15.1. After these things, the word of the Lord, God spoke, came to Abram in a vision. Abram means father, and he's not got any children yet. Abraham means father of many nations, and he hasn't got any children yet. Saying, do not be afraid. Well, why would Abraham be afraid? Why would Abram be afraid? Because he just defeated these kings. I, I, he only had like 300 guys, and he defeated five nations. Abraham, look what he says, I am. Ego, well, no, I am is not ego, me in the Hebrew. Your shield. What are we talking about? Shield of faith. He's saying, I am your faith. I am your defender. I am your protection. You don't have to be afraid if you look to me. Your exceedingly great reward. I am your inheritance. I'm who you need to have a relationship with. I'm who you get when you trust me and obey me and follow me. Listen, I am your shield. 
Proverbs 30 and 5 says this, listen, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. He's a shield to those who have faith in him. Uh, Psalms 3, 3 says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. He's our protection. He's our defender. That's what a shield is. Psalms 18, 35 as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who put their trust in him. God is our shield when we trust. We don't have to be afraid. What can man do to us? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. We need to understand that we're living by faith, we're walking by faith, we're following the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ. When he talks about a shield, listen to me, he's just saying, I'm your defender. Listen to what it is. A shield is this, and we're going to get back on this. A, this is what the word shield is right now in the, the, the Greek, and when you look it up in the Strong's, it says a large shield as door shaped that's how large it is it's door shaped it's probably about two and a half to three foot by by four and a half to five foot big wide and long it, it comes from the word for door or gate he is our shield he's the one that protects us and surrounds us he's the one we look to listen here's what webster's 1828 calls a shield it's from a word for covering See, that's what a husband is. He's a covering to the wife. So he is our shield. It's related to the word for shelter. It, it, it's a piece of defensive armor. Now, now, they were usually made with like leather or wood, and they would have like cow hooves on them. They would have things on them that were hard objects. So that if somebody stabbed you with a sword or shot an arrow at you, it would stick in those things and would not get through and penetrate your breastplate of righteousness. It would not penetrate your truth. It would not be able to hinder your stand for God. That's why your faith is so important. And it comes from the word as you learn more about your knowledge of what God is doing, what he's done, and what he's doing in the future. So listen to this. Webster still. It means defense. A shield is a defense. It's a shelter and it's protection against what? Lies, deception. It's it, against the enemy that tempts us. Our faith in Christ or in God's provision protects us from these things when we learn the truth and stand in righteousness. Listen, this is so much more depth and I can keep it simple or I can take it deep. But you need to understand that it's all about building a love relationship with your covering, who is your Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And growing in that truth and putting on his mind. So when the enemy throws a fiery dart, you can go with faith. You can say, that's not true. I'm righteous because Christ is righteousness. And you cross blades with him. We're going to see that in, a, in the next week. That you take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. By faith, you take it up. By faith, you cross blades with a liar. And you pare. Is it called pare? You, you knock down his sword, his lie that's trying to be a dagger to cut through your righteousness. In which you stand in because of what Christ has done. So it's a shield, but really that shield is your faith. And, it's, and, and really the Roman soldiers, now listen to me, the Roman soldiers actually had two shields. They had a small round one, which they would fight with here and, and, and with knife hand-to-hand -hand combat up close. But the door size one, which is what this is talking about, the shield of faith, it's door size. It's like, it's like really three foot by five foot. It's huge. It's wood. You would carry it. And when you, were, when you were going to besiege the castle or the Bastille, and you're running up to tear down a stronghold, which is a whole castle, 
You're going to go destroy it and lure it down and just just, just tear down the, the, the devil's kingdom and his lies that he tries to defeat us with. What you would do is, is that when they were chasing these, when they were running up to go attack a castle, the, the, the men would shoot arrows. Well, it wouldn't stop them, right? They would fling these arrows at them and they could keep coming. So what they learned to do was they dip them in tar or some type of substance and they'd set them on fire. And then they would shoot the fiery darts or the arrows. You know that word fiery dart means missile. Isn't that amazing? That word fiery dart, it means a missile is what it means. A spear or an arrow or a dart. But it's from a word that's this. Listen to me. A violent, intense strike. And that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants to bring a violent, intense strike and he does it with lies. He does it with what we liken to a fiery dart, but it's really just one of his wiles or his tactics like we learned over in verse 11. That's why we're putting on faith. That's why we're putting on the armor. That's why, because he's, so we can stand against the wiles of the devil, the wicked one. So he'll shoot this thing that, that it's fiery. Why? Because then it burns your faith up. It burns your shield up. So you know what the men did in the war and the real soldiers that were fighting and attacking? They started taking their door-sized shields that were wood and they would dip them in water. They would go dip them in the creek before they would attack the castle. And so when the fiery darts come and they go stick into the door, they go and they go out. See, so you need the Spirit of God to help you put on the armor of God or the person of Christ and to stand in faith. And it's the Spirit of God who increases your faith as you get into the Word of God. So when the darts come, they're quenched. They're put out. The fire is extinguished because you know it can't burn down your house because Christ is protecting you. Truth is protecting you. You stand in righteousness. We're standing and waiting. We're really not. We don't have to believe those lies because we know the truth. Listen to me. That's, a, that's huge. That's huge that you have these huge shields of faith, which are really a gate or a door. Think about that because Jesus is the door. He's the way out of this world and the way into heaven. So as you're holding him and you're trusting him and the fiery dart comes and it's quenched because of who is before you, defending you, protecting you, taking care of you. But here's the beauty, because I'm always talking about getting into word, prayer, and fellowship. What was so great about these shields is that they would put hooks on the ends of them. And as they were all running, they would yell, fire and they would hook their shields together shields of faith together and they would create this entire wall of wet wood or holy spirit filled faith and when the darts would come they'd go tss, then they'd jump back up and they'd run together again that's why we need to come to Bible study. That's why we need to have fellowship together. It's because we want to allow the Holy Spirit keep one another accountable and put out the darts of the wicked one. And the reason the world wants us to be separated and isolated and decimated is because that's the devil's plan to keep you in your house, keep you counting your socks, keep you doing whatever it is you're doing instead of fellowshipping with the Spirit and with God's people. And then he... Throws that dart, and off you go. And you fall for his lies. You don't have anybody to keep you accountable. You don't have fellowship with the saints. You're not growing together and running the race together and being the body of Christ and growing in the grace and the knowledge. You're not growing in your faith. You're actually just saying a prayer, and you think you're okay, but the devil has taken your POW. So it's so important that we understand that faith has substance. There's going to be evidence. And true saving faith creates something that you do because God has given us all work to do. Not just to become like Christ, but to go out and do the work of the ministry here while we walk and take the peace to others. So it's pretty amazing to see that this shield it, it, is not, I mean, it's not, it's not just the shield, but
but it's faith that quenches the fiery darts of the wicked one. When he throws and he says, go do that or be tempted by that. You take your shield of faith and you quench that dart. Put out the fire that, that is a, uh, that's going to burn up your life. It means to extinguish or to go out. See, we're also warned not to quench, not to put out the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit of God. Webster says this. Webster's 18.28 says quench is to put out. But it also says it's to steal. So see, you don't want to steal, S-T-I-L-L, the voice of God, the work of God, to make steal. You don't want to be quiet. Or you want to steal the voice of the devil. You want to make this voice of the devil to be quiet, which is what quench means. It means to destroy. Quench means to destroy. See, that's what the enemy came to do to you and me. He came to rob, kill, and destroy. But when we put on Christ, we put on the armor of God, we put on the truth of God, then we've been given the weaponry to quench him and destroy him from even harming us. And that's how you stand. So i got to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 when we start to talk about that. You guys should have it memorized. 2 Corinthians 10 is just a few pages back in your Bible. You go through Galatians and back into 2 Corinthians. And what does he say in 10.3? For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Listen, we are going to storm the Bastille. We can go on the offense. We can stop letting people believe lies by telling people the truth. That's what we're doing right here. We're learning the truth so that we can tear down strongholds, deeply entrenched sin that come from lies of the devil. Because if you're in Christ, you're righteous. If you're in Christ, you're in truth. If you're in Christ, the power of the devil has been taken. Unless you give it to him. And casting down, that means slamming down to the demolishing, destroying arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. You bring every thought into captivity when he lies to you by faith. With the shield of faith, you take it into captivity and you look at it and you say, it doesn't line up with my belt of truth. It doesn't line up with my righteousness. It doesn't line up with my gospel of peace. By faith, I'm going to have it destroyed with some truth. They said that about me. No, they didn't. Stop it. You get your identity from Christ. They're trying to take, no, just don't believe these lies. Stand and be the bride of Christ. He is your defense. He is your shield. He is your protector. He's the one that's going to make you like him and come to take you home soon. Everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So as you learn the truth, you punish it, you bring it into obedience, and every time you see disobedience, you punish it with truth. You do the right thing. The next right thing, some people say. So the shield is really faith, but if it's a door, it's Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12.2. And with it, you have the ability now. Remember that word? We've seen it three times. 10, or excuse me, verse 11, 6.11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. It means to have the ability, to have the power. It's inherently given to you. And then where else was it at? It's in, it's in uh, verse 13, able to withstand. It means power. It means the ability. You still have to make the choice. If you, are if you are in Christ today, you have the power and the ability to withstand and to stand. You have the power and the ability to grow, but you can choose not to. 
You have the power and the ability to take the gospel of peace to others, but you can choose not to. You can choose to keep living in the lie. But truthfully, the power and the ability has been given to you. This word is the same word for dunamis. What's that, Greg? It's Acts 1.8 when he said, he said, but you shall receive ability, power. You shall be able. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses for me throughout Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Same word. You will have the ability. You will have the power. And it's dynamic power that comes from the Spirit to do these things. So it's so important that we understand that you can't say, oh, I, I can't do that. You have the ability. If you're in Christ and the Spirit of God is in you, He will give you the ability, the power to do these things. And that's why we keep growing and we keep going. And we stand, continue, abide, and remain in His love, in His Word, in fellowship, in prayer. Able means to be able or possible. To be of power. To have ability. To do what? To put out those lies when they come. To quench them. To extinguish them. Fiery darts is uh, to be inflamed. To be on fire or to burn. To be inflamed in your lust, your anger, your grief. What is it? It's fiery darts. It's a it's a it's a um, burning, violent, intense strike. It comes from hell of the wicked. Let's look at it. Of the wicked is what the King James says. Wicked one is what the New King James says, and wicked means hurtful and evil in effect or influence. Everything that it is, the effect or the influence. Listen, there are things that you might look at them and they're not really evil, but you can twist them to evil. You can pervert them to evil. You, and they can become an influence and, and something that affects others in an evil way. It doesn't necessarily mean that it has to have a character of evil. It can be something that can be used for evil. And that's what the devil does. He takes God's great good creation and he perverts it and it becomes something that creates a character that's evil in you. Or you can take God's great creation, and by faith you can listen to God, and you can continue to hope in God and trust in God, and you can obtain a good testimony like the elders did because you begin to put on the mind of Christ and become like Christ, and you're obeying Christ, and you're doing what he called you to do because he gave you divine warning in his word that he's coming back soon. And we see it now on the planet. We see it everywhere. We understand. Some people are going, they're getting all mad at people that don't see what's going on. They're getting all mad at the world systems. They're getting all mad at the presidential debates. They're getting all mad about the lies that are being told because one world government, listen, it's a spiritual battle. It's not flesh and blood, but it's of principalities, of powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age. It's a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places that is trying to destroy America. Oh, did he say America? I really meant trying to destroy the morality that was given because of the church in America, because it was built upon the word of God. See, and that's what's trying to be destroyed. They want to say no to God. We have our own ways, our own religion, our own thing. We have our own gurus. We can have our own paradise. We can build our own kingdom and leave God out. It's what happened in the Tower of Babel. When Nimrod began to uh, hunt for souls and they began to build their own little uh, uh, towers they began to build their own Tower of Babel that was going up to heaven. They wanted to be like the Most High God, the same way the devil wants to. So they made up their own religions and their own ways. And God, in His grace, He stopped them. In His grace, 
He divided them and separated them so that their one voice, listen to me, that their one voice and only one truth, which was a lie from the devil, would not shape them all to the same way. And we're doing it all over again because we do it on Twitter and on Facebook and we do it on all the mediums with one lying snake media telling us all the same thing. We all become of one mind and evil again. We all begin to build a Tower of Babel once again, and we don't even know it. And it's the same thing that communism does. It teaches one thing, one mindset. You're not allowed to have any other type of thinking. You believe what they tell you. And listen to me, because this is what's going on. It's not communism, though. It's not the Democrats, though. It's it's, It's the devil, It's one world government where he's going to set up his antichrist to rule and reign. And it's all one thought, one mind, and it's all, no, God, we're going to make our own. And if you keep listening to what the world is saying and ignore what God is saying by faith, you will fall for their lies and you will believe them in what they're saying. And I don't care who the president is. You need to hear the voice of God and be led by the Spirit of God and run a race to win and follow the author and the finisher of your faith or you will be duped by the world systems. Because make no mistake, 1 John 5, 19 says, I know you are of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. All of the world systems are diametrically opposed to God. It doesn't matter who the president is. If he is not if he is not living for Jesus Christ, then he's underneath the sway of the wicked one. The wicked right here. He can't quench the fiery darts. So you can have the devil, he's divided. He can have a plan here, he can have a plan two blocks away, he can have a block a plan ten blocks away. And they're not living for Christ. They're not stopping killing babies because of God. Just because they have a a platform that says we're going to stop killing babies doesn't mean it's for God. It can be just to get elected. Now, believe me, God is a God of life. And God is going to punish this nation for killing 60,000 babies a year. No, I'm sorry. 600,000 babies a year. This nation is killing 600,000 children a year. And we're funding it with taxpayer money here and abroad. And listen to me. It's all a system that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. And the only way to recognize it and stay apart from it is to have a relationship with God. And put on the armor of God, which is putting on the mind of Christ and becoming the helpmate of God because you are the bride of Christ. So listen to me. Make no mistake. I'll be voting for Donald Trump. Make no mistake. Because if you don't vote, that's a vote for communism. It's a vote for uh, the evil one to get in. If you do vote, and you vote for uh, Joe Biden, it's a vote for communism, it's a vote for evil. And if you vote for Donald Trump, it's a vote for evil. But his policies are trying to stop killing babies. His policies is who you should be voting for, not his manners. In fact, why don't you just vote for the platform and forget about the man? Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. He's doing things that are righteous, even though he doesn't know that he's a full tool of God. I don't know what he knows, so I shouldn't speak for him. I pray that he gets saved. And I know we always end up here, but we have to end up here. We are going to be in such trouble if anybody but Donald Trump gets into office. Such trouble. People don't even understand what they're already doing and what they've brought down and what they're trying to do to us. It's hidden. The demons are already everywhere doing it. But make no mistake, there's a lot of people that are being used by them because they said no to God long ago. And God is judging them and giving them over to their debased minds. 
He is letting them reap what they've sown. And they can't turn away from it. I apologize for that. I shouldn't have even went to Donald Trump. Because some people are offended by it. Where is your faith tonight? Is your faith in man or is it in God? Where is your faith tonight? Is it growing? Is it growing because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Your faith should be growing. You should believe in more and more and more as you grow in the knowledge of God. Are you putting on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil? Where are you at in your faith, saint? Listen to me. Many people think that they can actually give their life to Christ and go on and live in the world, and they're being deceived by the world systems that are underneath the sway of the wicked ones. They're not standing by faith and doing the will of God. They're just following the church, which is apostate. It's separated from God. Jesus himself said, when I come, will I find faith? Those that are believing in what I'm doing and trusting in my plan and are listening and obeying. Will I find faith? What is that? It's trust in him and a constancy to do his work, to do his will. What is he doing on the planet right now? He's saving souls. It starts with yours and mine, and then it goes out as we obtain a good witness by obeying him. And others hear it, and they have a chance to hear and come to faith. They have a chance to continue to hear and obey and grow in faith and be sanctified and then one day be glorified. But we can't just say, oh, I believe. I have faith, really? The demons believe and tremble. But true faith produces works. Works of obedience. Part of obedience is confessing when we're not obeying. True faith, true faith, true saving faith will have evidence of that faith. And without faith, it is impossible for us to please God. For we first must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six. Are you diligently seeking him? Because when you search for him with all of your heart, you will find him. And when you find him, you will never, ever be the same. You will not want to go back to your old life. Because it will taste bad. 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 It will taste like death. So, above all, taking up the shield of faith, where which you will be able to quench, to put out all the lies, all the fiery darts of the wicked one, of the wickedness, of anything that would attack you and make your character wicked. Walk by faith. So next week is 617. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, again, this is it's 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 rather in depth. I'm going to pray about um, whether I do that whole verse. I might take two weeks to do this whole verse. I want to get to finish Second Kings. We have one more chapter, chapter 22. It's a long chapter, so I don't know what I'm going to do next week for sure. But you should read chapter 22 of 2 Kings, and then you should also memorize Ephesians 6, 17, and take the helmet of salvation, or excuse me, is that what it is? And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen, these are what we're supposed to put on. This is what we're taking up. This is exciting stuff. This is, this is exciting times that we live in. Listen, if we see the Tower of Babel being rebuilt, isn't that exciting? If we see the resurgence of Babylon like this, isn't that exciting? It is if you know the Word of God and you know that these are the times of God and that our times are in His hands and that He's getting ready to come take the chosen home. 
He's getting ready to come take those that are living by faith and waiting and watching and working. He's getting ready to take them home. He's going to come like a thief in the night. And those who do, are not doing what he's called them to do by faith, they'll be left behind and the door will be closed. I pray that you have your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength fixed upon the Lord and what he's doing and not just a political race. Listen, because at the end of the day, we're not Democrat and we're not Republican. We're Christian. But while we're here, we'll do everything to forward God's plan. And right now, choosing to vote for Donald Trump, that would forward God's plan for a little while longer. But our allegiance is to God and God alone. Our citizenship is in heaven and heaven alone. Our kingdom is not of this earth because we belong to God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given us that mustard seed of faith to believe. And Lord, we ask that we would be about your business. That we would be those that would get into the word prayer and fellowship. Because we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We want to hear your voice. We want to see your face. We want to be the children who seek you diligently and who are pleasing to you. Thank you that positionally we have all of that in Christ. But as we're being uh, um, sanctified, it's our choice to obey so that one day we can be glorified. Pour out your spirit upon us, Lord. Wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. We pray for salvation of souls. And we do pray that you would protect this country. But more than that, we pray you would protect your church. And wake them up for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.